Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Podcast Network. It's time for the Believe in Ole Miss podcast with your host, Brad Logan, your home for Ole Miss sports. To be a part of the show, email the show at brad.logan at loganmedianetwork.com or shoot him a DM on Twitter at bradloganCOTE. Download the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review online. And now, from the vault to the pavilion to Swayze Field, it's all Ole Miss all the time. Here's your host, Brad Logan. And welcome into the Believe in Ole Miss podcast, a part of the Believe Networking Boy. Loaded week for Ole Miss. A lot of questions surrounding injuries, but it's Ole Miss in Alabama, a place that Ole Miss, well, let's just say, they don't win very often. Two and 29 in Tuscaloosa. 1988 and 2015. But this year feels a little different. Jackson Dart, boy, he's playing great. and We'll get into that in just a moment. How about how well Jackson Dart played against Georgia Tech? What's going on with the running game? Well, it's being led by Jackson Dart. Will this be the game that Quinchon Jenkins really bolts out? Offensive line feels a little more stable now. The defense kind of clicking. Missed some tackles in the first half. I thought they played much better in the second half. The stats back up. It's been a second-half team without question. Ole Miss and Alabama, SEC West play starts. We've got Drew DeArmond of ESPN Radio in Huntsville. 97.7 FM. Drew does a great job, covers the SEC and not only uh, just Alabama. covers Auburn and uh, pretty much everybody in the SEC. It's always good to catch up with Drew uh, at SEC Media Days each year. He does a great job. So we'll get to the bottom of everything that's going on with Alabama with the sluggish win last week over South Florida and, of course, the loss to Texas. We couldn't do it without our sponsors. And also grateful for our sponsorship, with Bet Online. Bet Online with the game starts. Remember, use that promo code BLEAV, that's B L E A V, and get your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Bet Online with the game starts. NFL, college football, everything is rocking and rolling. And Bet Online has you absolutely covered. Proud sponsor here on the Believe in Omens podcast. As big as we have, so thankfully that we've gotten, it all started with Debbie Johnson, our real estate agent here on the Believe It On Miss podcast and the Logan Media Network. Debbie has been with us since the very beginning, and we can't thank her enough. And we encourage you, if you don't have a real estate agent, if you're looking to move to Oxford, if you're looking to move anywhere in Mississippi, if you're looking for a, a, a particular hunting property, if you're looking for an investment property, maybe you're looking to buy an apartment for a a kid of yours that's in the seventh grade and you're going to get paid off, and then your daughter's going to go to Ole Miss, your son's going to Ole Miss, Give Debbie a call today, 662-689-0090. You can shoot her a text there, too. Or the office, 662-234-5555. Part of the Kester Real Estate uh, family. Debbie Johnson. Boy, she has been, uh, she's been great to work with. 
she can be your real estate agent today. Good friends at College Corner down on Sisk Avenue. And and I just tweeted out earlier today as we record real really late on Wednesday night, but that's beside the point. So I got a picture, and it's a tumbler, but it's a real tree tumbler. There's going to be a couple of different options. I don't know if these are going to be available online. I know that, the, that Scott's going to have some in the store in Oxford. It's going to be a couple of weeks, maybe a week. I don't know. I'll let you know as soon as we get them. A tumbler, real tree pattern, Ole Miss script. They're awesome. They're absolutely awesome. Not available right now. Tell them you heard about it on the Believe in Ole Miss podcast. Go get that perfect game day polo. Get you ready for LSU. Get you ready for Arkansas. Get you ready for Texas A&M. It's coming right around the corner. LSU game's upcoming. It's going to be slam-packed. We'll talk about how big that game can be if Ole Miss can beat Alabama. But Ole Miss, LSU, get the perfect supplies that you need. I've seen everything from dog collars to hats to T-shirts to polos to quarter zips. They've got the logos you love, the names you love, College Corner. Also, so thankful for our sponsorship with our good friends down in Jackson at the Rogue. But it's okay, even though you're not in Jackson. Google the Rogue. Go to their website. You can shoot. Uh, you can shop their collegiate collection. You can shop uh, Martin Dingman. You can start. You can shop everything on the website. But if you can go to the store, that's where it's at. And I really enjoy uh, going by and visiting with the good folks at the Rogue. Go by and get the perfect suit, perfect. Button-up, shoes, blue jeans, they've got you covered, slacks. I really like that collegiate collection. I'm looking at a couple hanging up right now. They've got the Reb script right on the upper left chest. They've got the Horn Legend, Peter Millard, all that good stuff. And I'm telling you, the Rogue has been uh, has been a proud uh, sponsor here, and we're awful grateful to, uh, to have that partnership. Drew DeArmond coming up in just a moment. But before we get to Drew, we have to put a cap on a a big win against Georgia Tech. Another big second half, and this has been a second-half team. Played well against Tulane in the second half. Played well against Georgia Tech in the second half. Come away with a win. Once again, survive in advance. Let's listen to some scoring plays brought to you by our good friends at Learfield. Dan Kortz. Thanks, Dan. Here's Voice of the Rebels, David Kellum, Harry Harrison, sideline reporter John Darnell, pregame host Brett Norsworthy. Alongside Gary Darby, Rebels win over Georgia Tech. Hand will be the holder. The snappers Henry Freer is Aiden Bird to kick it, and it's not going to be good. It's going to be knocked down by Harris, rolling down the field. There's a scoop and a tackle at the 32-yard line. Harris got through, looked like, and got the block, and Anthony recovers it. And the Rebels special teams has a huge play on a block field goal. Being quarterback draw by Dart. He's got room to 30, 35. He breaks in the clear. He's to midfield to the 45, heading to the far sidelines to the 30, 25, 20. One man there is going to knock him out of bounds inside the 10-yard line, and the Rebels are in business. So far on the year, the Rebels are perfect at four for four. This one's for a TD if we can get it in there. Dart in a gun formation. And there's the handoff, or he keeps it rather, dies for the goal line. Did he break it? Yes, yes. he did. Off the right side. Dart got hit, but he had enough momentum to hit the goal line. Harvey couldn't keep him from getting in there, and the Rebels get six. Second and seven from the 21 for Ole Miss. Left hash at the George Tech 21. There's the handoff to Bentley. Finds an opening right to the 10-5. He goes into the end zone. Untouched is Ulysses Bentley. And the Rebels extend the lead. Dart's going to take the snap. He's going to run left. He gets to the one. He gets a great block from Bentley and punches it in. Touchdown, Ole Miss. 
Williams at left tackle, accurate right guard this time for Ole Miss again, too. Heath in motion. There's the snap. Play action. Dart's got time. Throws deep over the middle. He's got Watkins. He's got the catch of the 25, the 20 down the sidelines. 10, 5, touchdown, Ole Miss. Dayton Wade about seven yards down the field, stopped, and then took off again. And here is Judkins, yeah. and Judkins will punch it in for Good. the TD. A one-yard run for Judkins and the Rebels have put this one on ice. Yes. And Ole Miss would win the game 48-23 to after a big second half. 14 points in the third quarter, 24 points in the fourth quarter, and a total of 48 points, and it was the Jackson Dart Show. No surprise. Through the air, 10 of 18 for 251 with one touchdown. He was sacked the one time. Rushing the ball, once again, all Jackson Dart, 14 for 139. A net of 136 had a loss of three. Two touchdowns had the long of 68. 9.7 yards carry. And how about Ulysses Bentley? Finally, finally we see Ulysses Bentley turn the page. Only six carries but had 61 yards. Had the long of 21, averaging 10.2 yards a carry. That's good news. We would learn that Quinton Jenkins would have a, rid- a bit of a rib issue, so he was injured against against uh, Georgia Tech, and Lane Kiffin admitted that he didn't play near as much as he would have had it been an SEC game. 13 carries, 38 yards, averaging 2.8 yards a carry. Look, he's got an X on his back. We know that. We know that he's got a target on his back. On top of that, there's been some offensive line issues. On top of that, he's got the rib issues. So he's got three things going against him. But you're ready to see him turn the page. And I think he's going to do it. I really do. And and I think for Ole Miss to be successful on Saturday against Alabama, they're going to have to do so. We'll talk with Drew about that, what Ole Miss is going to do or have to do to win the game. But Ole Miss wins, Georgia Tech, a uh, big win at home over an ACC team. But like I said, things change now. Completely different game is all of a sudden now you got to start SEC West play. And uh, the Rebels, led by Trey Washington. Great game by Trey Washington. He he was a player that I had been talking about. I thought he played well last year. Had a forced fumble. Uh, two tackles for loss. Ten total tackles. I just think he's a player that's really stepped up. And he had the ankle issue in fall camp. And we saw him. We had a chance to see the scrimmage. And he kind of went down uh, when he had the, uh, the injury. But, uh, you know, another big game for uh, Jeremiah Gene Baptiste. Probably his best game as a Rebel. Eight total tackles. Aisheen Young kind of was all over the field at times, finished with six tackles. So it was a situation where Ole Miss is going to have to uh, contain quarterback Jalen Milrow. And let's get right into it. Here's Rudy Armand of ESPN Radio 97.7 in Huntsville as we talk Ole Miss in Alabama, 2.30 on CBS. We'll talk to Drew right after the break here on the Believe in Ole Miss podcast part of the Believe Network.
Today's show is brought to you in part by Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments for the NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball, fights, and NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all sports wagering needs, including live betting and the fan favorite Vegas Casino and Poker Games. It's really easy to get started. Just head on over to the website, use your mobile device, and sign up today. Use our promo code BLEAV50, B L E A V 50, and receive your 50% welcome bonus in your first deposit. But online where the game starts. Today's show is brought to you in part by Realtor Debbie Aldison Johnson. If you're looking for a spot in the Oxford area or quite frankly anywhere in Mississippi, that is your go-to. Remember, real estate industry since 2003, looking for that special ag property, maybe a recreational property, maybe a commercial real estate property or a new home. Uh, Debbie does a great job and can be your real estate agent today. Just contact her directly at 662-234-5555. Of course, that's a member of the Kessinger Real Estate family realestate.com and Debbie has been with them for quite a few years. If you need to get her directly, just dial her cell phone at 662-689-0090. Remember, your go-to for real estate, whether it be commercial, farm, or maybe you need that home. Maybe you need that second home in Oxford. You're looking maybe to relocate to Oxford. Part of the real estate family, the Kessinger Real Estate family. Debbie Johnson, your realtor, 662-234-5555. Or call her cell phone at 662-689-0090. Debbie Johnson, a proud sponsor here on the Believe in Ole Miss podcast. The College Corner is headed to Oxford. Stop by their new location in the Oxford Commons off Sisk Avenue. They'll have 4,000 square feet of Rebel gear ready for your trip to the Grove. On your next trip to Oxford, stop by the College Corner or our other great locations in Ridgeland and Flowood. Hats, shirts, polos, pullovers, sweats, T-shirts. College Corner has it all. And as always, you can visit us online at collegecornerstore.com. That's collegecornerstore.com. The College Corner, where your game day apparel meets. Hi, this is Brad Logan. The Grove Collective's mission is to support, elevate, and protect the well-being of all our student-athletes through a wide range of NIL opportunities and initiatives at Ole Miss. The Collective was established to deliver a best-in-class NIL experience that is worthy of the student-athletes who give their all for Ole Miss. This consolidated and sustainable model provides premium access and experiences between our members, corporate partners, and our athletes. To support all Ole Miss athletes and their NIL platforms, visit thegrovecollective.com. That's the grovecollective.com. Join our team, become a member today. If you're looking for the perfect game day outfit for the Grove, look no further than the Rogue in Jackson. Live in Oxford? No problem. Go to therogue.com and shop the collegiate section, and there you'll find Horn legend Peter Millar, the best selection of Rebel game day clothing, celebrating 56 years of business and a sponsor of the Grove Collective. When you're in Jackson, Go by the road, 4450 I-55 North in the capital city. An extensive collection of sports coats, suits, shirts from brands like Peter Millar, Tom Beckby, Brax, Jack Victor, Mark Digman, and others. And when you stop by the store in Jackson, and that's where you'll see the best selection of Rebel game day clothing. That's the Rogue, 4450 I-55 North in Jackson. Go by and tell them that you heard about it on the Believe It Ole Miss podcast. Welcome back to the Believe in Ole Miss podcast with your host, Brad Logan. Want to be a part of the program? Just email the show at brad.logan at loganmedianetwork.com or shoot him a DM on Twitter at bradloganCOTE. Whether it's touchdown Ole Miss or showers and right, it's all Ole Miss all the time. And now back to the show.
And welcome in to the Believe in Omis podcast, a part of the Believe Network. So excited to have our resident Alabama media man, uh, Drew DeArmond, joins us here on the Believe in Omis podcast. Uh, Drew, thanks very much for joining us. We were just talking off air, and uh, this is a big week for a lot of folks in, in North Mississippi anyway. We get a lot of Alabama coverage, and uh, it's always interesting to hear what the, the good folks at Alabama are saying leading up to Ole Miss, Alabama. How are you, sir? Good, Brad. How are you? It's uh, great to be with you. It's a kind of a fork in the road game uh, for at least Alabama. I mean, certainly Ole Miss has high expectations uh, uh, with uh, Lane Kiffin uh, going into year four. But Alabama, you know, they, they're not used to losing in September. Uh, they've done it uh, for the earliest ever under Nick Saban against Texas, a quality opponent. But then they followed it up with a clunker against uh, South Florida. So there's a, a lot of questions going into this game with the Rebels inside Bryant Denny Stadium on, on CBS at 2.30 on Saturday. It doesn't appear to be a question with uh, the quarterback play. And, and from what we understand here is that it will be Jalen Milrow's show. Is that kind of what you're hearing? Uh, you know, we heard from Nick Saban, and uh, that appears to be who they're going to go with the quarterback. Yeah, I think uh, Jalen uh, served his penance. Uh, he was suspended for the game last week. I uh, strongly believe that. And uh, he did what uh, Coach Saban was uh, requested as far as, uh, you know, improving his attitude, uh, showing more leadership on the sidelines. I mean, I've heard from him twice after the victory over Middle Tennessee and was a part of the press conference when he met the media after the loss to Texas. And, uh, he said and did all the right things, but I think he had kind of a rough week on and off the field last week, and that resulted in him sitting against uh, South Florida. And we saw, uh, you know, Tyler Buckner get the start, the transfer from Notre Dame. He struggled. They only made three first downs while he was in there for about a quarter and a half. You saw Ty Simpson get the first meaningful snaps of his career. Uh, he led them to all 17 points, and I thought he did enough to earn a start. But And I thought Nick Saban might keep it under wraps until – late in this week, but he got that out of the way. He nipped it in the bud, as you know, on Monday and said Jalen Milrow was going to be the starting quarterback, and that's who they're rolling with. And now we just got to see what kind of offense Alabama puts out on the field because uh, Milrow so far has made some big plays. He's, he's uh, made both with his leg and his arm. He's also been his own worst enemy with turnovers. And the one positive that came out of that anemic offensive performance on Saturday in Tampa was no turnovers out of the offense in the quarterback position. And that's what they got to hope for on Saturday afternoon against the Rebels to have a chance to win inside Bryant-Denny Stadium. Drew DeArmond hosts Talking Ball on Huntsville's 97.7 ESPN affiliate there in Huntsville alongside Scott Thiessen every Monday through Friday from 7 until 9. It's a great show, and um, I encourage anyone to listen. They have a great online platform as well. And you can follow Drew on Twitter. That's at DrewD977ESPN. Drew, any surprises uh, about how poor that, that Tyler Buckner played for you? I, I was expecting to, to see a little bit more out of him. Well, a little bit. I mean, I, he's not uh, – you know, when it comes to arm talent, he does. he's kind of a gamer. He's – He's, he doesn't have, the, uh, you know, a, 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 what you would call a, a pro arm, in my opinion, as far as a guy that where it sticks out like a Brody Croyle or even – and even Bryce Young didn't have a cannon, but you, he just had pinpoint accuracy. He's not a pure passer is the best way to put it. Um, I, I thought the coaching staff kind of hung him out to dry a little bit. I think uh, when you watched him at Notre Dame, it was RPO-based. It was uh, there, there was a little bit of a spread option element. Uh, and I think they did a, a good job with, uh, you know, uh, 
putting him in position at Notre Dame to make plays with his legs, and they really didn't do much quarterback run uh, with his own read or anything while he was in there uh, for Alabama. Uh, he, they kind of tried to make him into a pocket passer, and he's not a pocket passer. He needs to be on the move. Same way with Jalen Milrow, and uh, I just thought I felt bad for him. He did have a near miss of a 50-yard bomb to Jermaine Burton that looked like it might be a touchdown, but he just couldn't move the sticks. Uh, and so, and I think that's been the big sticking point. I think you saw the uh, quarterbacks do some damage with their legs against Middle Tennessee, and there was zone read concepts. Uh, you know, there there was some RPO. There was RPO early against Texas, but they've gone away from it. That's what I'm going to be fascinated with. And Pete Golding, of course, the new DC at Ole Miss, has an extensive history for five years at Alabama. He knows the personnel backwards and forwards, and it's going to be interesting to see. A, what kind of approach Alabama takes to attacking Ole Miss, and B, how Pete defends it. Running backs Jace McClellan, Roydell Williams, and then I'm excited to see uh, what Georgia Tech transfer Jameer Gibbs. Anybody else that uh, we need to be looking for out of that running rec room? And who's kind of been the number one guy for, for Saban uh, this year uh, running the football? Well, you know, they, it, it's been interesting because Jameer Gibbs did so much for them last year before moving on to the NFL with the Detroit Lions. and. He was their leading receiver. Uh, he did a great job at kickoff return at times. He ran the football, but they've had to kind of go in a different direction. I still think it's a very deep and talented room. Uh, Jace McClellan had a solid game last week running the football. Now needs to clean some things up in pass protection. Roy Dell Williams had 17 for 129 and a touchdown. Uh, he basically uh, had the best game of his career in an Alabama uniform. Now, we haven't seen as much of Jam Miller and Justice Haynes, and I wonder if we will on Saturday. But I think it's a deep running back room. They haven't you know, showcased their full potential yet because of the offensive line issues, and that's probably the biggest question going in. You know, The health of Seth McLaughlin, who's in the, it's been the pivot for Alabama, his hand. And then Tyler Booker missed the game with back spasms last week. He's their best interior uh, offensive lineman, probably the leader of the group. And he could really help Caden Proctor because I think the big stat is going to be, Brad, coming in. I believe Ole Miss in three games has 10 sacks. Well, Alabama has given up 12. Uh, they're near the bottom of the country and as far as pass protection and giving up sacks. Ole Miss has been pressuring under Pete Golding. And if Alabama can't do a better job of protecting these QBs, then Ole Miss is going to have a chance to get their first win over the tide since that win in uh, Bryant Denny Stadium, ironically, in 2015. And you talked about it a moment ago. I really like Jermaine Burton, uh, accompanied by Ja'Cory Brooks. Those two are two of the better receivers, uh, not only returning, but I think in the SEC. Uh, how has the passing game been? I know it's kind of been some influx there at quarterback, but those are two really good receivers. Well, they are. I mean, it's been kind of boom or bust. Most of the boom has been Jermaine Burton. He has two long touchdown catches uh, on the season uh, from Jalen Milrow uh, in the first two games. And so – He's been explosive at times. He didn't do a whole lot uh, against uh, South Florida, but the receiver core as a whole did not because Alabama only threw for 107 yards. But uh, Ja'Cory has not been as involved. He, he didn't have a great training camp. He's had He had a solid sophomore year last year. He needs to get going. Uh, Isaiah Bond has made some big plays, though, early. Uh, and he had a, a, their, one of their bigger catches last week as he moved the chains. He got one of those rare first half first downs with a 13-yard catch, and he has explosive speed. There's no doubt about it. I think the wide receiver room is underrated, but I think that the instability at quarterback has hurt their production, and 
That's why it's going to be up to Tommy Rees, Eric Wolford, Nick Saban, this offensive staff to come up with a better plan, better pass protection, and a way to showcase the abilities of Jalen Milrow, cut down on his turnovers. That's going to be the biggest key. He's got to, you know, it'd probably be a one or two read guy. If there's somebody open, he's got to make a, a decisive, quick, and accurate throw. And if not, he needs to use what the good Lord gave him and use his legs because I think that's the best way for Alabama to win this game. And the offensive line, they've got to open up holes. Alabama's got to run the football. If they don't reach 200-plus yards against Ole Miss on Saturday, I don't think they can win the game. And you made mention a moment ago the number of sacks that have given up by this offensive line. In fact, it's, it's three of the five starters uh, return, Drew, and that's what's interesting. you got Darian Dahlcourt, the senior at right guard, Seth McLaughlin. What what have been some of the problems across that offensive front that you've seen? Well, there's been some miscommunication. Uh, you know, there, there's been some struggles by, uh, you know, they've, they've taken advantage of Caden Proctor, the true freshman left tackle. He's been susceptible to the, to the speed rush. But I also think it's some of the quarterback play. I think early on in the first two games, Jalen Milrow at times, He's trying to be something he's not. He's not a pocket quarterback. He needs to move around. They need to move the pocket. Uh, he needs to get outside the pocket because and help out the offensive line because I think in some cases he's holding the ball too long and getting sacked. I thought that happened to Ty Simpson too uh, before he hit the 45-yarder to C.J. Dupree and finally kind of settled Alabama down. But I think overall, you know, it, it's, a, it's a combination. I think, I think the quarterbacks need to throw the ball quickly, decisively, and accurately get it out on time, and I think also the, the offensive line, they've got to do a better job of communicating, uh, passing guys off, and you you just got to do a better job protecting. And I think schematically Alabama needs to help out Caden Proctor. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some two tight end sets and C.J. Dupree and some of these running backs, especially when they go two back, when uh, you have a guy, guys like Roy Dale Williams and Chase McClellan on, excuse me, Jace McClellan on the field at the same time that you see them uh, you know, kind of chipping and, and helping the, uh, especially the left side out in pass protection for Alabama. Yeah, the C.J. Dupree uh, transfer out of Maryland is a, a phenomenal tight end. Uh, real quick, looking at the defense, a lot of people in Mississippi excited about uh, watching Jaheim Otis, the sophomore out of Columbia, Mississippi. Has he been as good as he looks as he gets off the bus? I mean, the transformation we've seen out of him uh, from high school senior to Redshirt, or not redshirt, but true freshman at Alabama. That was one of the best transformations I've ever seen out of an athlete. Yeah, I mean, he dropped from over 400 pounds to, you know, around 350, and I think he's in the around the 330-pound range now. Uh, he missed the last game with a foot injury. Uh, you know, I was told that it could be a few weeks, but he's been practicing this week, so hopefully he's much better. Uh, it certainly hurt to have him out of the lineup. He's very good against the run. He can be disruptive. I thought he had a solid first two games, so certainly they need him back in the lineup. They had Tim Smith in his place last week uh, along alongside Tim Keenan and Justin Aboigby, but they definitely need Jaheim Otis back. He's a big part of things, and certainly, uh, you know, seeing him practice this week a little bit on the on the video that, uh, of course, has been put out each and every day by the university, I think is a positive sign, and I, I wouldn't be shocked if we saw Jaheim Otis back in the starting lineup this week. Alabama's always kind of been linebacker U, dating back to the late 1980s, um, maybe even the middle 1980s. But Dallas Turner, he fits the mold. The junior has had a, a really good career. And uh, 
I mean, anybody else that we can be looking at at linebackers? I know he's he's one that's been all over the field. Well, he has. He had four pressures and uh, caused an interception from Jalen Key in the first game against Middle Tennessee. Now, wasn't as big a factor against Texas. I thought Braswell had a better game, but he really brought it. And, of course, he was near his hometown. Uh, for, for, he's uh, from uh, St. Thomas Aquinas in Fort Lauderdale, and he, he played really well in Tampa with a friend in front of friends and family. Ten tackles, two and a half sacks. Uh, he was one of the defensive stalwarts. Deontay Lawson has done a great job in the three games from the Mike spot. Uh, now, it's been kind of a revolving door at will inside. Uh, you've seen three guys play. Trez Marshall, the transfer from Georgia. Kendrick Blackshire, who's a, who's a junior uh, from the state of Texas, Duncanville. And then, of course, Jihad Campbell, the five-star from IMG. He's a sophomore. I think if Jihad keeps getting healthy, you're going to see him play more and more because he's very fast and can be disruptive. Uh, and then, of course, Chris Braswell, the other outside backer at the will spot. He's had a, a pretty nice start to you know the year, so it's a pretty good linebacker core with a lot of depth outside. Quandarius Robinson's played well, Keanu Coot, and they're going to have to Saturday because Jackson Dart's an improved player at the quarterback spot. Uh, I think he has uh, you know responded well to Lane Kiffin bringing in uh, you know two uh, transfer QBs from uh, you know uh, certainly from Oklahoma State and and and, uh, and LSU respectively and. He's it looks like he's much improved. I know he did a lot of damage with his legs last week. Now they got to get their uh, number one receiver back. And then Quinshawn Judkins has been productive, but not dominant. And I'm sure they want to run the football on this Alabama team. So it's going to be imperative for Alabama to continue their solid defensive play that we saw the, the first three weeks. They need to stop the run first and foremost, because everybody thinks about the flash and dash, the Lane Kiffin offenses, Brad, but, as you know, since he's gotten to Ole Miss in 2020, they've been one of the best rushing teams in the SEC. So if Alabama's going to have a chance, first and foremost, a couple of things have to happen. Alabama has to control the line of scrimmage and run the football and play a little keep away. And, and then, and then uh, they have to stop that Ole Miss run. They have to limit it. And then Alabama has to find a way to force some turnovers. They didn't against Texas, but they certainly did against uh, South Florida. And that helped win the game. And that's going to be a big key for Saturday afternoon. Remember the all-name team, uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry Jr. I like that name. Uh, that defensive backfield for Alabama, I, I feel certain that Ole Miss is going to have to throw the football to be effective on the road. You talk about stopping the run. I think I think what we've seen from Jackson Dart is his ability to get the ball downfield. The problem, I think, for Ole Miss is, is what wide receivers are going to be available due to injury. That is a very injury-ridden position for Ole Miss what about this Alabama secondary what do you like about them and what are some areas of concern for you about this secondary if they have any well I mean I think that a little bit of the the worry is they've been banged up at safety and star Malachi Moore and Jalen Key the transfer from UAB the other you know who's who plays the free safety they've both been a little banged up though they played last week Caleb Downs has gotten off to a nice start as a true freshman even though he doesn't have his first interception yet. We'll see what happens on Saturday. Kool-Aid McKinstry has been locked down so far, uh, you know, at his cornerback spot. The other corner, Terrion Arnold, would have had a kickoff return touchdown. And see, that's nothing. Alabama, they had five penalties, but they had two touchdowns called back. They can't do that against Ole Miss. And then they had too many penalties. They had 10 penalties against Texas. So they've got to cut the penalties out. Uh, there's no question about it. But the big thing they got to do, too, is Terrion Arnold – he got a couple of penalties against Texas, you know, some interference calls. 
he's got to clean that up. But I think it's a, a talented secondary. I think there's even some depth with Trey Amos from Louisiana Lafayette. I mean, basically your third corner. And, then, and he can play star as well. So I think the key is going to be, though, for Alabama to, to you know, not give Ole Miss extra downs via, you know, penalty. But I think if they can rush the passer a little bit better, like they did against South Florida, even if they just flush Dart out, you want to keep Dart in front of you, not ma- let him make big plays with his legs. But you don't want to give up those chunk plays. And they certainly did against Texas. But I think a lot of that had to do, Brad, with they only rushed four or five and they didn't get home. And so they're going to have to change up their looks and their pressures against Jackson Dart to try to move him off his spot and make him uncomfortable. Overall, you've covered this program, Drew. Uh, Not to make you feel too old, but, I mean, I think we're about the same age. I've been listening to you for a long time. Nick Saban in his 17th year at Alabama. And I know you know exactly where you were the moment Mal Moore made the decision to hire Nick Saban. Um, We fast forward, obviously – I don't think I'm telling you or your listeners or my listeners uh, anything they don't already know. Nick Saban, the greatest coach in college football history. I think there's an argument to be made, and I don't know that there is an argument. Is this team and the talent level and all of the things you mold into one uh, big conglomerate here, are things shifting because the national media, the national narrative, and a lot of this may just be to draw interest, to, to draw likes and retweets and whatnot. Is this team different? Then those teams we saw that Nick Saban began in 07, 08, and then we come forward, all the national championships. Is the talent different? Is Saban different? What's your overall thought process of Nick Saban 2023 in Alabama 2023? Well, I mean, I, I, I wonder about the locker room and, you know, with what happened with Milrow last week. I know Ty Simpson, even though he saw the his first extensive action of his career last week, he had he didn't have a great a spring or fall. That's why he didn't win the job. And I, I don't think he endeared himself to his teammates either with you know kind of the way he approached things. So it's interesting. I, I think the team is behind Jalen Milrow. That's why he got the job back. Uh, but he's had his own issues and it, he's there's also been some issues, I think, with Nick conflict with Nick Saban and Milrow's family. But I mean, he's dealt with these before with uh, parents of players but again I think there's I'm anxious to see the dynamic in the locker room and how together this team is Tyler Booker had some interesting comments on the next round uh, on Monday he comes on there weekly about having to have a team meeting already so I just wonder about the psyche of this team I, Nick Saban should not be on the hot seat he, he's earned the right to coach as long as he wants but in this transfer portal era and NIL I just wonder, you know, kind of where this program is right now. It's still very talented, uh, but they've got to figure out a cohesive plan on offense because right now they remind me more of Mike DeBose's Alabama offenses of like 2000 than the machines we've seen under Nick Saban. I think the quarterback and the way they've handled the position is a lot of it. Uh, I think they, in hindsight, they probably should have attacked the portal with a, you know, I know they wanted Drake May, but that didn't happen. But with a Sam Hartman at Notre Dame or a Riley Leonard at Duke, but they did not. I think they thought Ty Simpson would be further along than he has been. And so much a quarterback play is from the neck up. And Milrow has struggled there, even though he's a superb athlete. And so it's going to be really fascinating to see if you know what kind of plan the coaching staff puts in place with this with uh, Ty Simpson in this offense on Saturday. Because I know it's still early in the season, but Tommy Rees I think is already on the clock. I think Eric Wolford is too, and. Certainly, this is a fork-in-the-road game for this year. Nick Nick Saban in Alabama, even in his first year in 2007, Brad, they were 6-2. and two. 
and they had a lead on the eventual national champions, LSU, and were in contention for the Western Division late in the season. They've never been eliminated from college football playoff and even SEC to a degree this early. But if the Rebels come in and get the, get the Lane Kiffin's first win over Alabama on Saturday, the season is going to be teetering on the brink of oblivion already. And who would have thought that? I, I still think this is a very talented roster, but there needs to be some things done offensively. And then it's and if there is, it, it, I guess that'll prove that Nick Saban figured some things out during this past week because I have questions about the leadership of this team in the locker room and amongst the players when it comes to you know uh, what, what we're going to see on Saturday. Nick Saban's always been able to figure it out and know what buttons to push. But I'll be honest with you, this is the first time since he's been in Tuscaloosa that I have severe questions about a game on Saturday as far as what it's going to look like and if Nick Saban right now is reaching this team. I tell you, I think you nailed the quarterback comments about Nick Saban perfectly, and I completely agree with you. And I think there, um, if there are already any questions surrounding Nick Saban, from what I've seen on the outside looking in, it's the adaptation to the transfer portal. And you wonder if it might catch up. Are we seeing the transfer portal age catch up to Nick Saban? I don't know. We'll see. But then I think for Ole Miss fans listening to this, they get a little bit gun-shy when you're talking about winning in Tuscaloosa. I don't have to tell you or anyone else, 2-29 in in the history of the program in Tuscaloosa. Those numbers are not good. But what I'll do is I'll date you back to the early 2000s when a young quarterback by the name of Andrew Zal, a running back by the name of Santonio Beard, ran all over Ole Miss when they thought they had a chance. I think it was 42-7. to You might even remember that game. Uh, and, yes. and that's what I think Ole Miss fans are a little nervous about is when Milrow is in there, is Ole Miss has yet to contain a running quarterback with this defense. They really haven't seen one. We saw Horton at Tulane. We saw um, the Adam transfer last week with Georgia Tech. And then, of course, the Mercer quarterback. They were all kind of just kind of drop back passers. So it's going to definitely pose a definite challenge. 2.30, you nailed it, Drew. And you can always hear him along with – Uh, His crew over on ESPN Radio in Huntsville. It's 97.7, Monday through Friday with Scott Thiessen from 7 until 9 a.m. Drew, thanks very much for joining us. I always enjoyed it, Brad. Thank you for having me. to the Believe in Ole Miss podcast with your host, Brad Logan. Download the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review online. Be sure and check us out on Twitter at BradLoganCOTE and at Believe Podcasts, as well as Facebook, Brad Logan Media. From the vault to the pavilion to Swayze Field, it's all Ole Miss all the time. This has been the Believe in Ole Miss podcast, a presentation of the Believe Podcast Network.
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.